I think everyone at this point who has even a little bit of interest in roadside attractions has come across the legendarily garish basket building in Ohio. Whether you've seen it in Ripley's Believe It or Not, or on Roadside America, the basket has become a mascot for roadside attractions, similar to the world's largest ball of yarn or Pinky the Pink Elephant. If you've lived in or around Ohio in the past 30 years, you might have even taken a family road trip to visit the big basket. The basket has become like the 90s version of the Colosseum after the fall of Rome. Sitting there, unoccupied in all of its ridiculous glory, a testament to the trials and tribulations of late-stage capitalism. Who could have been so bold to build a giant woven basket in Dresden, Ohio of all places? What hubris possessed the creator of such a gaudy marvel? As with most roadside attractions, there is usually one nutty inventor who wants to construct public art for the sake of public art. Not so with this monstrosity. The building belonged to the Longaberger Basket Company, known for its strangely expensive, wildly popular baskets that took hold of culture in the late 80s and 90s, helmed by the basket king and family patriarch, Dave Longaberger. The basket building might have been better shaped in the form of a pyramid, however, because now it stands as a relic of a billion-dollar multi-level marketing scheme with a meteoric rise to fame that ended in an unbelievable crash and burn. This is the Longaberger Basket Building. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service. The number you have dialed has been changed. The new number is... Welcome to Interstate Odyssey. I'm your host, Sophie Peterson. If you like learning about obscure, fantastical, and even some potentially haunted places throughout America, you've come to the right place. Each week, I'll be covering different roadside attractions throughout the United States. The good, the bad, and the absolutely strange. So the research I did for the Longaberger Basket Building, oh my gosh, I'm going to get really used to saying this phrase, Longaberger Basket Building, went completely differently than I expected, and now I am unironically fascinated by the Longaberger legacy that is continuing to unfold even into 2021. Almost immediately, I fell into a rabbit hole about the history of the baskets and the market price you can resell them at today, and the cult following that comes with the company. It felt like this strangely clandestine, underground network of buyers and sellers. Kind of like that insane Ray Dunn black market that runs below the surface of TJ Maxx and Home Goods. Do-it-yourself appraisals were all over the internet, instructing collectors to examine the honestly pretty uninspiring baskets for special signatures from Dave Longaberger, Tammy Longaberger, The Collector's Club, Grandma Bonnie, the list goes on. This quickly established that there were a whole raft of characters involved in this fabulously 90s grift, so instead of boring you all with the market value of a Longaberger Grandma Bonnie personally signed Collectors Club Charter Member Miniature Market Basket in mint condition, it's supposedly around $500 by the way, 
let's get into the origin story of how exactly a giant basket came to represent the trendiest direct sales dynasty of the late 20th century. And, 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 I know I say this every episode, but if you're enjoying Interstate Odyssey, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to Interstate Odyssey wherever you consume your podcast content. Don't forget, there's an Instagram page as well, where I post all sorts of details and accompanying images to each episode. Okay, let's get back to the baskets. It's 1973. The Coke is free-flowing, hard rock and disco are at odds with each other, and every clothing item is now made of polyester. This is where the story of the Longa Burger Company begins. Technically, it began about five decades prior, in 1919, at the Dresden Basket Factory in Dresden, Ohio. A local man named J.W. Longaberger worked at the factory, first as an apprentice, then as a basket maker, but ended up losing his job at the onslaught of the Great Depression. J.W. and his wife Bonnie Jean apparently enjoyed constructing baskets and continued to do so through the Depression, even though the Dresden Basket Factory had become a thing of the past. As we all know, thanks to the multiple recessions that have marked the past two decades, monetizing your hobbies is a great way to get by during an economic downturn and J.W. saw the opportunity to take this basket-making gig and expand his reach. Well, that makes it sound like they had some sort of Etsy shop or something small, when in reality they really just bought back the now-defunct Dresden Basket Factory and set up shop in there. Okay, back to 1973. This is when J.W. and Bonnie's son, Dave, dovetails off the original plan and opens his own boutique basket company, J.W.'s Handwoven Baskets and the family's entrepreneurial dreams were becoming fully realized. The name Longaberger is synonymous with quality craftsmanship in the tradition of America's finest artisans. Longaberger baskets are simply the very best. Their history is one that is well-known and oft-recited by Longaberger stands and paints a picture of Dave Longaberger. He was a child with a stutter, fifth in a family of 14, who didn't finish high school until he was 21 and was named Dave, but when he was born, nobody had thought of a name, and he was only referred to as Popeye for like three weeks. He was an underdog-turned-businessman who made it big. The reality is a little less idealistic and is actually rooted in the time-honored American tradition of home shows and direct sales marketing. Remember, this was a time when Tupperware parties and Mary Kay product demos were still fresh new concepts. And Dave had the charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent to push the lowly woven basket into the world of pink Cadillacs and precarious downlines. To Dave's credit, the basket company had all the makings of a successful direct sales enterprise. A laser-like focus on a specific product, a bootstrappingly satisfying origin story of its creator, and homegrown Midwestern values manufactured to appeal to their target audience, the American housewife. In case my audience doesn't have a closet obsession with learning about the origins and scandals of popular pyramid schemes like I do, I'll provide a brief overview of what exactly makes these particularly victimizing enterprises tick. Pyramid schemes, direct sales, franchise fraud, chain referral programs, multi-level marketing, it's a concept with many names but one specific function. There's the top of the pyramid, which in this case would be Dave Longaberger, who reaps the most benefit from the grift. The top of the pyramid is responsible for recruiting initial investors, who 
will not only hawk the product, but more importantly purchase inventory and distribute it to buyers and potential investors. The real money doesn't come from distributing product, though. That's where the pyramid part comes in. To continually build revenue at the top, the lower levels of the pyramid must continually find more investors to hire onto their team, or downline as it's often referred to, who in turn look for even more investors and the base of the pyramid grows wider and wider and wider until it becomes unsustainable and the investors run out of members of their country club or church to target. Basically, it's a way for one person to make a shit ton of money off of a bunch of other people who are purchasing their own inventory. Even though we're in a time where we have Netflix specials and YouTube channels that are literally dedicated to explaining how to not fall into the trap of a multi-level marketing scheme, they are more popular than ever. Economic downturn sows desperation and the promise of being a boss babe entrepreneur is intoxicating to women who are trying to make money, run a household, and raise children simultaneously. Promises of a shiny new Cadillac SUV are advertised when the reality of not hitting your target sales leaves you on the hook for the car payments, and then some. As far as I can tell, Longaburger was one of the less predatory on the scale of Mary Kay to Herbalife, and seemed to gain more of a cult-like following of basket hoarders as opposed to casting an ultra-wide net like the notoriously victimizing LuLaRoe or Monate. Then again, their heyday was long before the rise of the all-too-common video essays by former boss babes chronicling their gritty path of egress from the pyramid scheme of choice. Seriously, YouTube is the place to go if you want to see some truly dystopian selling techniques. With promotional videos filled with tropical house music advertising the support, success, and self-actualization that comes with joining one of these cults, I mean communities. Selling directly to customers in home shows was a stroke of marketing genius. The boy who wasn't expected to amount to much became known nationwide as the man who makes those wonderful baskets. Today, Longaburger baskets are sold in all 50 states by several thousand Longaburger basket consultants. And in the Longaburger family tradition, each and every basket is handmade of the very finest materials, just the same way J.W. lovingly crafted them. Before I get too heated monologuing about the structure of pyramid schemes, let's get back to the heart of the company. Dave Longaburger. I read a particularly insightful article from the Monthly Columbus out of Ohio that covered the rise and fall of the Longaburger dynasty. There's a guy named Robert Shook who writes about the very specific character profile that seems to be as American as apple pie, the Pyramid Scheme CEO. He ghostwrote a book about Mary Kay Ash, penned the biography of Dave Longaburger, and is generally an expert on the history of direct sales marketing. He said that companies like these live and die on the charisma of their leaders, whose dynamic personalities inspire a cult-like following. Longaburger, the American success story rocketed up the bestseller list in 2001. At the height of basket fever, there were around 45,000 independent distributors or home consultants, hawking Dave's glorified Easter baskets dedicated to his vision of covering the United States in woven maple. I know that because there are so many collector websites that tell you to look out for the trademark sturdy authentic maple weave. Something I haven't done much research on but am very curious about is the counterfeit Longaburger industry that is apparently preying on dedicated collectors at every turn that all of these authentication websites seem to warn of. Anyways, Dave was ahead of the curve with his management style, boasting a system structured closer to a Silicon Valley startup than the regular starched suit brutalism of the early 1980s. 
He strictly enforced work ending at 5 p.m. and that 25% of work should be fun. Which, I mean, shrewd marketing line, but what an incredibly nebulous concept in practice. I do appreciate Dave's whimsical quality and the direction he envisioned the company going. Sellers traveling the country in basket-shaped vans, a high-rise basket-shaped hotel, and of course, the dream that was fully realized, the basket-shaped corporate headquarters in none other than Newark, Ohio. As early as 1990, Dave's dream of owning the world's largest basket was well on its way with the initial 23-foot-high and 48-foot-wide maplewood woven basket that was built as a monument to the early days of the company. So, just for the record, that's basket number one. Even though architects blanched at the idea of building another, new, functional, massive basket, and literally everyone in the surrounding area was disturbed by visions of a land overtaken by brown woven structures, Dave knew what he wanted. Non-believers be damned. In a particularly savage move, Dave decided to continue on with his plans to build the basket in spite of his cancer diagnosis around the same time, with the rationale that he wouldn't have to be around to deal with any of the repercussions of the big basket if things didn't go according to plan. Alongside the big basket building, he also went ahead and built a giant apple basket that competes with now the other two world's largest baskets. I think the most comical part of the construction of these giant baskets is that nobody else was competing with him. I, like, there are no other giant basket buildings in the world that he was competing against to be the biggest. The only ones that exist are the ones that he built himself. As with all multi-level marketing schemes, family and friends are usually brought into the fold, and with 13 other family members to make use of, the Longa Burger Basket Company was something of a family business. Baskets were manufactured with Grandma Bonnie's signature, as well as special editions from Longa Burger's daughters, Rachel and Tammy. Other siblings also helped run the actual business part of the company, creating different levels that independent sellers could aspire to, churning out a new basket style every month. Dave didn't leave anyone behind as the company climbed further and further upward and was preparing to build a Longaburger empire to the tune of $32 million. The structure of the company was intentionally opaque, with its multi-level marketing program benefiting from confusing its sellers. Like I mentioned before, I do believe that this company was less predatory than a lot of the current MLM horror shows that have overtaken social media, but the promotional Longa Burger videos I found on YouTube drive a hard sell for the functionality of their product and focus heavily on describing the function of a wooden basket, as well as the structure of said wooden basket, and who in history has utilized wooden baskets. The whole enterprise is bold, if you ask me, because in my opinion, there's nothing particularly sexy or innovative about a wooden basket, but they managed to wrangle a whole lot of salespeople into promoting the glory of the almighty Longaburger wooden basket. Don't get me wrong, I think basket weaving is very cool and a valuable artisanal craft, but it astounds me that they made it to the level of billion-dollar corporation telling people they could really do with a room full of these things. The salespeople, or home consultants, basically had a tiered system, however I couldn't find much on the original sales program, but I assume it conjures something similar to that scene in Edward Scissorhands where Diane West does her whole Avon Calling shtick. The home consultants would basically go around the country, sometimes with demonstrators who actually worked in Ohio making the baskets coming along for the ride to display the handmade versions of the wares. 
I guess that was necessary because in their heyday, these baskets were expensive. Like, they were all priced around $100 for a wooden basket in the 90s. To my untrained eye, they literally all looked the same. The same color, the same general structure, the same handle, they were, they were all the same. To a seasoned Longaburger home consultant, however, there was a vast network of unique and limited edition baskets that could only be accessed by the upper echelons of Midwestern housewife clientele. What with their specially made collector's club items and customizable features. I guess that was the draw for a lot of people who weren't dedicated to the cult of Longaburger. Monogrammed or personalized baskets where you could pick the trim or the colors made for a thoughtful gift, but how many $100 baskets can you really give out before you start looking like a literal basket case? I'm sorry, I had to put that in there at least once. The Longaburger Basket Company had created something of its own feudal society by the late 90s. King Dave at the helm, overseeing daily operations from his medium market basket-shaped castle, created in the image of their most popular product, of course. With its corporate basket building of lords and ladies, surrounded by a main street that housed revenue streams all flowing directly and indirectly from the big basket. Licking County, yes, that's actually the name of the county, had become basket country, whether they liked it or not. Obviously, I'm pro-basket building because the structure really is something of a marvel. It's seven stories high, 180,000 square feet, and those handles weigh 150 tons each, with a nifty feature that heats them from the inside so they don't freeze and crack off. With its 8,000 employees, homes were built around the basket, businesses along Main Street were booming, and busloads of dedicated Longaburger stands were packing the town each day. At its height, the billion-dollar enterprise boasted a private golf club, restaurants, a monstrously large manufacturing campus, and even a hotel. Though I should clarify, the hotel was regular, and not a basket-shaped high-rise, like initially envisioned. It was a capitalist paradise, with its nobility expanding their reach throughout Ohio. There was the Longaburger Homestead, a giant barn and home goods outlet in nearby Frazeesburg that now looks like an abandoned commune. Featuring a giant white barn with an interior that can't quite decide if its style is more Chip and Joanna Gaines or Rainforest Cafe. Thanks to Longaburger and Longaburger Baskets, Dresden is becoming a vacation destination where one may stroll the streets of yesteryear and recall times when life was unhurried and neighbors waved a friendly hello. This is Dresden, Ohio, the proud home of Longaburger Baskets, simply America's best. The homestead is also home to that giant apple basket. Plus, by 1999, Tammy Longaburger, the ascendant basket queen, Dave's daughter was finishing the construction of her 57,000 square foot Georgian brick mansion and accompanying estate, replete with a horse farm, guest residence, helipad, and ballroom. Her timing couldn't have been worse. That same year, Dave Longaberger, unofficial basket king of Ohio, succumbed to kidney cancer at age 65. He had run a tight ship and was dedicated to Longaburger products being manufactured exclusively in the United States. That was actually one of their selling points. When Tammy gained control of the company, she expanded the brand into pottery that would be imported from overseas factories. 
The once loyal customers bristled at the new leadership direction that seemed intent on changing the entire brand narrative. Like our friend Robert Shook mentioned, the success of the leader was paramount to the success of the company, and without Dave, the empire swiftly began to crumble. It didn't help that the finishing touches on Tammy's $15 million McMansion were being completed parallel to mass layoffs throughout the company. Though the collectors were staunch in their support, the budget-cutting moves turned Tammy into something of a Marie Antoinette figure, with it becoming much clearer to faithful employees that only a few higher-ups were reaping the benefits of the Longaburger Basket Company. I actually found an article out of the Post Star in New York from 2001 at the very precipice of their downfall, titled Baskets Full of Money, Longaburger Products. Here's a few of my favorite excerpts from it. By the 1990s, the company was thriving again thanks to its loyal cadre of sellers and a growing number of avid collectors. The firm diversified, adding dinnerware and wrought iron to its catalogs. A Disney-like basket theme park called the Longaburger Homestead was built near Dresden and now draws 600,000 visitors a year. Coming to see the birthplace of the Longaburger Basket, the largest apple basket in the world, a basket repair shop, factory tours, and the chance to have one of Dave Longaberger's 11 brothers and sisters autograph their basket. In the rest of the article, Tammy Longaberger goes on to blame 9-11, which happened a month before this article was written, as the reason they had to lay off 900 workers and slash their product line from a whopping 5,000 to 2,500 products. It doesn't really clarify how 9-11 impacted the entirely American-made baskets, and it's especially odd given that they began the mass layoffs months before the terrorist attack. But that was the party line, in spite of the very clear divergence Tammy was making from her father's original business model, like I mentioned before. The original strategy was clear. Down-home American values targeted at the Midwestern housewife. The new strategy took an unexpected, aggressive turn. Get Longaburger out of the breadbasket and onto the L.A. Strip. The modest, homespun brand identity was replaced with flashy new corporate design strategies, featuring streamlined, fashion-forward baskets. Longaburger brokered deals to get their baskets onto sitcoms like NBC's Providence, CBS's Judging Amy, and most illustrious, a Longaburger workload basket strategically placed atop one Monica Geller's fridge in Friends. This strategy, though ill-planned, piqued my interest because of my previous work as a set designer, and it turns out Longaburger had quite the stranglehold on television sets of the early aughts. Everybody Loves Raymond, Hope and Faith, The West Wing, and The O.C. were also bestowed Longaburger baskets to place amongst the rest of their carefully articulated sets. And allegedly, another basket reappeared on Monica and Chandler's coffee table in some of the last seasons of Friends, which was in 2004, or 18 years ago. Do you feel old? I feel old. They also provided hampers to house all of the freebies given out to the celebrities at the Emmys, Grammys, Oscars, and NAACP awards. For some reason, I have a hard time picturing the cast of The Matrix walking out of the Academy Awards, Oscar in one hand, Longaburger Maplewood hamper in the other. In case anyone is wondering, I just spent about an hour scouring YouTube for a still of the basket on the set of Friends. And in spite of the fact that most scenes have so many knickknacks and tchotchkes strewn about the place, it looks like a crafting closet exploded on a nearby soundstage, I managed to find a few clear shots of the baskets, which are, of course, on the Interstate Odyssey Instagram page. 
The descent of the Longaburger Empire was quick, with the end of the millennium marking the end of their reign. This is really the point where I think a lot of people realize that MLMs are not a victimless scheme, and similar to a boomtown in the early days of our country, the town of Dresden, Ohio paid the price, with its only source of industry drying up at a record speed. What was once 8,000 employees between the corporate building, homestead, and factory shrank to a measly 200. Even though the turn of the century marked the end of an era, Tammy didn't finish construction on that multi-million dollar mansion until 2001, highlighting the shameless greed of the Longaberger executives. Tammy, the big basket, and her 200 remaining employees hung on to the Longaberger company for another decade, but couldn't seem to swing it. Design trends had moved on, and nobody was really interested in buying anachronistic wooden baskets for home decor. In 2014, the Longaberger company stopped paying taxes on the basket building, and by 2016, they had to declare bankruptcy, and the building was fully vacated. Now, Basket Town is all but abandoned, making it a popular roadside oddity and urban explorer's macabre paradise. The inside of the basket is surprisingly luxe, with a much less gimmicky vibe than the outside. It's a space that can only be described as epic, with its towering ceilings and rows of offices, and it evokes a feeling of an apartment complex or grand hotel lobby. In 2017, an Ohio-based developer, Steve Kuhn, purchased the building with an intent to make it into a hotel, but ended up putting the basket back on the market less than a year later. Though the entirety of the Longaberger homestead cost around $30 million to construct, the Big Basket and Homestead sold for a shockingly low price. Around $1 million. Steve didn't end up selling, and in 2019, the plan to convert it into a hotel was reignited, but then extinguished again, at the onslaught of, you guessed it, the coronavirus pandemic. It's kind of sad to see all of the articles coming out of Architectural Digest and local Ohio news outlets from 2019 excitedly reporting Longaberger's new lease on life after the plans were announced. Curiously, when you Google the Longaberger homestead, it's still listed as open, with accompanying pictures that make it seem like you could drive over and check it out. But as far as I can tell, it's been all but abandoned since 2018. The future of the basket building itself is uncertain, but it still has some very dedicated supporters who are aiming to get it on the National Register of Historic Places, which I'm coming to realize is basically the Elysian Fields of the roadside attractions. Heritage Ohio actually raised funds to do a tour of the abandoned building in 2019, where like 600 people got to go inside and see the place, which sounds very Charlie and the Chocolate Factory if you ask me, but I would love to see the inside of it. Apparently, the lucky visitors who got to go back were reduced to tears upon re-entering this hallowed ground. Before I wrap this up, if you were wondering about whether or not your relative's hoard of Longaberger merch might contain some baskets that would sell for hundreds of dollars like the Grandma Bonnie Personally Signed Collectors Club Charter Member Miniature Market Basket in mint condition I mentioned earlier, I regret to inform you that the value of the majority of these maplewood vessels are minuscule. From all the research I've done, there's a very, very niche market for these products, and usually only pull a couple bucks at best on eBay. Without the prestige of the Longaberger company to bolster them, they're really just wooden baskets. Independent of the Longaberger company, the basket building is truly something to behold and one of the most easily recognizable roadside attractions in the United States. 
Dave's legacy lives on, and even though he technically didn't have any actual competition, the basket building is still the largest basket in the world. Busloads of tourists from the cult of Longaburger no longer line the main street, but the big basket still draws passerby to its giant Maplewood Media Market marvel. Whether you go to gawk at a fallen empire or pay homage to a beloved 90s trend, the Longaburger Basket Building in Dresden, Ohio is a Midwestern must on your very own interstate odyssey. This has been a transmission of Interstate Odyssey, Episode 9.